Welcome to Imperfect Momming. Our children are constantly looking to us for examples. The term role model doesn't quite cut it here. We are shaping their worldview with every move we make. You see, it's not in the lectures we give or moments where we are actively attempting to teach them. It's in the micro-movements we make, the unconscious ways in which we navigate life. We are constantly teaching our children how to show up for themselves, their friends, their future partners, and even their future children. So what can we do to ensure we are raising thoughtful, compassionate, self-aware human beings? We have to become them ourselves. No one is perfect, but we can still all be better, and it starts with self-healing. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Imperfect Momming, and we have a very special guest today, Natalie Wilkinson, correct? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Welcome to Imperfect Momming. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do. Um, so my name's Natalie. I'm married. been married for almost nine years. And then my husband and I have a son named Riley together. He is seven years old. He's on the autism spectrum. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I do have uh, my background in mental health. So like prior to you know, kind of figuring out that Riley was on the spectrum. My goal had been to be a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I kind of just put that on hold because as you know, like getting a diagnosis is pretty, you know, it just takes up a lot of your thoughts, a lot of your energy, a lot of your time. So I put that on hold and I haven't really gotten back into it. I'm not sure if I'm going to. Um, what else? I'm an artist. I um, run a support group for moms of autistic kids in the Central Valley of California. And yeah, those are like the, the main things. And that's actually how you and I met. I, <laughs> I remember that you wanted to start a group um, and we were sort of in the very beginning it was kind of the two of us together and then I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> so you just kind of took off on your own. <laughs> well, you did help me in just giving me the confidence to start it because I don't think I would have on my own because I had no intention of running a support group. It really wasn't anything that I was interested in. I just saw a gap and was trying to fill a gap and so if you hadn't said um you know I'll do it with you I probably wouldn't have done it so you did help me well I'm I'm glad that yeah. uh saying yes and then flaking was <laughs> good for you <laughs> um you had a lot going on though at the time yeah. so I I know I was how, how long have you had the group? Because that'll help me figure out where I was in my mental. Um, four years. But oh. I remember that you were, I believe you were a surrogate uh -huh. at the time. Yeah. Well, I know I, you still are, but I right. believe you were pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pregnant with twins right now. Wow. <laughs> Do you know yeah. if they're boys, girls? They're girls. Oh, yeah. cool. Identical. 
Wow. Yeah. So, and that was never, you know, part of my plan uh, for sure. I was never, I was not, uh, I'll say I was not mentally uh, prepared for, for yeah. twins. Yeah. Um, and now the things that scare me, I just have to bury my head in the sand about it because mm-hmm. there's no way of knowing you know, what's going to happen. And the thing I'm scared of is, is the labor part. And um, literally there's no way of knowing Mm -hmm. whether it'll be a C-section or natural. And um, I've done natural every time. Um, And my favorite part of natural birth is that it's over after the baby's out. And (laughs) this time there will be another one after the baby's out. Um, and then uh, I've never had a C-section. So, um, you know, the unknowns of, of C-section are, are a little daunting for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, there's part of me that's like, I just want to have a C-section. I'm angling for that. And then there's other part of me that's, well, my, my perinatologist, which is a high risk pregnancy specialist um, said with your history, you can do a natural birth. And, uh, as long as the baby, the first baby isn't breached, then you're able to do that. So, um, I, I, I think that worst case scenario would be pushing one out and then do the C-section. Yeah. I think that would be worst case scenario. You'd have to do both. Yeah, exactly. But, um, um yeah, so I just like head in the sand. You can't, I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, recently that you, um, that you started a podcast and, mm-hmm. uh, and of course I was intrigued by that for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I've been, I've been on the sidelines watching what's going on with your group. And when I have been able to, I've gone to your live support group, cause I'm also in the central Valley of, of California. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I've had the ability to go, um, I've gone and, yeah. um, I love it. So, um, yeah. yeah, talk any more about, um, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> there was something I was going to ask you when you were talking mm-hmm. about being a surrogate. Mm-hmm. No, I can't remember. Oh, I was going to ask you, is this, are these your first babies you've had like since COVID started? Yes, I was. Okay. Um, I did an embryo transfer right before COVID shut down. Well, I think I found out that I wasn't pregnant the day that COVID shut down on March 13th was uh, 2020 was when California shut down. Um, I believe I found out that day, if not very soon after that, I wasn't pregnant. Um, And then the mom, that was going to be a sibling journey. So I had a, a boy for, um, for that mom. And she had more embryos and wanted to have a girl. And, um, and so we were going to do it again, but you know, she wanted to wait till COVID was over and I'm like, well, COVID's never going to be over. So you're going to, you're going to be waiting for a long time. And I, you know, I wanted, I knew I wanted to do it again. Um, maybe even two times we'll see after this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) after this, I'm like, I'm old now. I feel, I feel old. Yeah. <laughs> it's different. Very yeah. Different, so. Yeah. I was just thinking about like 
like with your situation of being a surrogate and then COVID and how that's changed like hospital policies, like are you able to have support there with you in the hospital room? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I believe one person, maybe I, I, I haven't even looked into it cause I'm still, you know, burying my head in the mm-hmm. sand about the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, we've had a very interesting, um, journey as far as doctors are concerned um because insurance the insurance that I have although it's it's pretty high tier like the mom picked the best policy um no doctors in the central valley accept it um I guess I can't say none of them but uh, because we did finally find one in the central valley that accepted it um but we had three things that they had to be okay with number one high risk twins Mm. number two surrogacy and then number three accepting the insurance so it took two people five hours to call all the doctors to finally find one and and i i'm gonna be 19 weeks on wednesday and i have not seen an ob yet i've seen my perinatologist but i have Mm. not seen an ob and it's just like come on guys this is like the most mm-hmm. high risk that it's ever been like can we you know take care yeah. of my health? and um luckily I have good you know I don't have number one I don't have anxiety and I have very good like anxious coping skills yeah 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 so we've talked a little bit on this podcast about um children with with autism we have I don't know that we've really gone into depth in um into it I don't think is there anything that you um that's present for you that you want to talk about as far as um you know struggles and or the joys or learning how to navigate some of those emotions of Mm -hmm. okay I have a diagnosis and now what yeah Well, September is coming up on four years since Riley was diagnosed. So it's always kind of like a time where I reflect on, Hmm. um, on the whole thing, you know, he's autism is so hard in the sense that like, it's so different. Like your son is so different from my son is so different from the next mom's kid and Um, you know, now what I'm starting to think about is like, so my son in particular, he's very, very smart. Um, but his biggest struggle is his emotional regulation. So, and people might not think that's a big deal, but it is like, it really can, um, be a huge stumbling block in the school system because you know they've got these classrooms typically with one teacher and the teacher has to take care of the whole class and so if one child is kind of you know not able to stay on task not able to emotionally regulate then that pulls their attention and so that makes it difficult for them to do their job so they tend to kind of like resist, you know, um, inclusion. Mm -hmm. And so my fear right now, I would say my biggest fear 
well, there's so many, but the one that's in the forefront of my mind right now is I'm very afraid that they're going to not push him to do what I know he can do. Like as moms, sometimes I feel like um, believing in your child when other people don't, it feels like you're the last kid that believes in Santa Claus. You know what I mean? Like, um, I know without a doubt that, that Riley can graduate high school. There's no doubt in my mind. He's so smart, but I'm afraid that because schools sometimes do tend to like push kids, you know, special needs kids to the side. I'm afraid that someone's going to drop the ball and he's not going to have the opportunity to excel the way that I know he can, unless I'm like in people's faces all the time, which is very much not my personality. Yeah. I'm not a pushy person. I'm not confrontational. I don't like to be micromanaged. So I don't like to micromanage other people. And so I would say that's like probably what's, um, like my biggest focus right now you know he has a great teacher but he's not always going to have her and I am one of those people that worries in advance so I'm already thinking about high school and junior high and all that stuff Um, and did you go through early intervention no I didn't really even start to see signs until Riley was almost three and a half so we missed early intervention altogether yeah um there I was I always say that I was blessed to have my sister in in college at the time that I had my son and she was going through um uh she got her master's uh in child development with an emphasis on uh autism (laughs) and so she's going through school and Mm -hmm. when you're going through school I'm sure you experience this in your schooling with um marriage and family therapy that you start seeing the stuff that you're learning yeah everywhere right Mm -hmm. so she saw it in my son and said you know you might want to go um get him checked out and I would say he was 16 months Hmm. when I was like what is going on with this kid Mm -hmm. and I'm you know I'm gonna even say something that I would feel ashamed to say now like what is wrong with this kid (laughs) like Mm -hmm. because he would have these emotional breakdowns because the the toy that he's playing with fell off the table Mm -hmm. and I'm like just pick it up right like, why is it why is it this catastrophe right right um hindsight is 2020 you know i'm sure you see the signs now that you yeah. didn't then mm-hmm. um but what i know what i realize knowing that my son is obsessed with trains and that this toy was an elephant that made train sounds and the table he was playing on looked like it was a track. Yeah. He thought that the train toy should go around the track and it mm-hmm. didn't because it wasn't a track. Mm-hmm. It fell off the table. So he was mad. I get that now. 
when he was 16 months is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> why, yeah. what, why so many big emotions over this little thing? Um, fast forward, you know, eight and a half years, I still have a lot of that same thought process when there's a meltdown over video games. Right. Right. Like the, the phrase that we have come to hate in our house is they're targeting me. It's like, no, 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 no. That that's what happens in video games is this video game, literally most annoying of it game ever <laughs> is you go around slapping each other. Uh. And the, <laughs> the, the goal of the game is to to kill someone else with a slap and steal their slaps that's the mm. goal of the game the mm -hmm. goal is that you're getting targeted <laughs> right <laughs> but it's frustrating to him that he's being targeted and i'm using mm -hmm. air quotes for people who aren't watching um and what i've recently heard from um from friends when they come over is you know that xander will rage quit on everything Mm -hmm. and he his video games right if something's not going his way he rage quits and yeah. on basketball if it's not going his way he rage quits I've also seen him shut down where he's like super irritated and he'll just shut down and I think the biggest struggle that we probably face is that nobody really knows how to deal with emotions and so nobody taught me how to deal with mine. Yeah. And the way that I was taught to deal with my emotions is stop feeling stuff. Right. Be quiet. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like you're being annoying right now. Knock it off. Like that's, mm -hmm. those are the things that we hear. You and I don't do that with our children because right. they have the diagnosis of autism. Mm -hmm. But we still don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a huge struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, same. I, I was not brought up being taught, you know, this whole thing now, um, gentle parenting, which boils down to just treating a child like a human. And um, like, that's not how I grew up. It wasn't like, I wasn't allowed to be angry. I wasn't allowed to be sad. I wasn't allowed to be offended, like nothing I wasn't allowed any of that. And so yeah, it is hard when you have a kid with big emotions because it's like, gosh, like I'm just learning how to deal with my own in a healthy way. And now I have yours, you know, it's hard. And not only am I trying to deal with mine and now I got to figure out yours, but on top of that, I read a book called Do from Dr. Dan Siegel. It's not the one that I always mention. It's a different one. It's called Parenting from the Inside Out. Mm -hmm. I always mention No Drama Discipline. It's my favorite. Okay. Um, but Parenting from the Inside Out, one of the first things he says in the book is that our children have a way of triggering our childhood traumas. Yeah. So not only do I not know how to deal with my emotions, I don't know how to deal with yours and you're triggering my childhood trauma emotions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no wonder everybody has mommy issues or daddy issues to mm -hmm. some degree, because 
we're imperfect humans raising imperfect humans Mm -hmm. who are triggering our imperfect humanness yeah (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah it's real man (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I do feel like um like there is more room for feelings now you know than than it seems like it was back then so that's at least something but I've definitely experienced that where um it does trigger stuff from your childhood for sure and what did you call it the gentle parenting yeah have you heard of that I've heard the term and I love how you described it. It's just treating children like humans. And it is when you read it, it, like some people think it's coddling, but it's really just having respect for children at, like you said, like um, imperfect humans, raising imperfect humans. Like it's just giving them more, because we do tend to expect a lot from children when they haven't had all the years on this planet to learn how to cope, um, to learn how to express themselves, you know? And so it's basically just, um, you know, as a, as an adult, as a person, I like information. Like if, if you're expecting something from me or if something's going to happen, I want to know what's going to happen. I don't like being blindsided. I don't like just being, you know, like who does that, (laughs) you know, who just goes around without information about what they're doing, what's going to happen. And I feel like that's part of it with children. The gentle parenting is kind of giving them more information, giving them choices giving them explanations for things and I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing that I think that just sets them up for success you know in a lot of ways Um, so yeah I just attended a webinar um, about you know I get a lot of advertisements on Facebook for um, for parenting stuff and Mm -hmm. uh, And I attended a webinar um, because I have learned how, essentially how to not um, yell at my son. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was, I, I used to a lot. um, And I would say I'm maybe like 10% of the time of what I used to do is what I do now. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a pretty significant improvement. I have no idea how I did it. (laughs) Yeah. you know, I want to teach other moms how to do it. Um, but I, I was like, I don't, I, I, I don't remember the process. I just kind of stopped doing it. Mm -hmm. And I know that there were more steps. I just don't remember what they were. So I went to this webinar basically about how to not, um, to stop yelling at your kids. And the, the thing that I found funny was that this, this um, technique she had taught I want to say there's like five R's I don't remember all of them because I didn't take notes (laughs) Um, but it's basically that you're you're what you just explained you're giving them the information so you know okay we're going to turn off the tv we're going to or we're going to turn off the video games in five minutes um, 
And if you don't turn the video games off in five minutes, then you're going to lose your privileges for video games later today or tomorrow. Um, So can you repeat that back to me? That was one of the R's. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So the, I found it absolutely fascinating that I had started doing that two weeks earlier, not the repeating back to me part, but all the other stuff. I, I told him, um, cause he was basically sneaking his phone into bed. And I say sneaking, cause at first there wasn't a rule against it. Mm-hmm. Then we're like, Hey, you're, he went into full day night reversal during summer because I was dealing with so much nausea that I would like come home and go to bed. And yeah. it like, I just wasn't doing parenting stuff. And I was barely doing living stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and he, so he went into full day night reversal. And when we realized that we're like, yeah, you can't take your phone to bed. Well, the very first night that we said that we caught him in bed with yeah. his phone. And so the next day I said, okay, if we catch you in, in bed with your phone again, um, you're not going to get the phone the next day. And so we, we caught him in bed with his phone and took his phone the next day. And so that that's part of it is following through. Number one is that the, I think the other R is that the punishment or is related to the problem. Um, But it gives this whole process. What it does is it gives them the um the essentially the choice to obey the rule i'm either going to follow the rule or i'm going to lose the privilege and they know about it ahead of time and so yeah they might still get mad at you that this is a rule but they're choosing not to follow the rule Mm -hmm. and so they really can't get mad at they will because we often shift blame to yeah. not ourselves adults still do that mm-hmm. um but um i just i i found the whole system fascinating that you know this phd is teaching this and i kind of came up with it on my own i'm not really trying to pat, pat myself on the back but yes. i'm proud of it too at the mm-hmm. same time that like i didn't have this training mm-hmm. it just came instinctual like hey you're it's not fair that we give you these consequences that you don't know are going to happen I don't mm-hmm. think that's fair yeah you know I I don't like it if I'm at you know work and then I do something that I'm not supposed to, that I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do and then I get fired for it like that's true story <laughs> like, yeah you know that feels awful and so as a kid, we, we tend to do that as parents a lot, Yeah, you know, and, or we'll overreact in the moment and, and say, you're going to bed without dinner because you talked back to me. Well, those aren't related at all. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. We, we really beat ourselves up for not knowing everything when they yeah. when they're born yeah yeah 
Yeah, it's hard. That's a lot of mom guilt. I wonder if dads deal with that with guilt. Totally different kinds. Of I've things. never asked my husband about that, but yeah, yeah. I've I've had a couple of men. I mean, I've I've delved deep into the mom guilt topic, and I've had mm-hmm. a couple of dads um, ask me to talk about dad guilt, and I'm like, no, that I'm not a dad. That's not yeah. my lane. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Go find a dad who feels guilty and knows how to overcome it. And yeah, um, what I have noticed is that the things that I've felt guilty for, my boyfriend is like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And the things that I feel guilty for, he thinks I should. (laughs) Um, but, uh, there, there's a, I know there is a dad guilt. I just don't, I don't know the depths or the causes except for what causes guilt in general. So, yeah. So is there a piece of advice that you want to share to our listeners? I think that, um, one that I would say is that you have to give yourself um, grace when it comes to being a mom. There's, it's hard being a mom. Like it's really, really hard. And you show up to the role of being a mom with all of your baggage. Like you don't get to leave it somewhere and then show up and then be, you know, just start fresh. Like you come to motherhood with all of your baggage, all of your deficits, all of your issues. And you have to give yourself grace for the time it's going to take you to learn how to be the mom that you want to be. Um, I know for me, you know, my son's going to be eight at the end of September. And I feel like just in the last six months, I feel like I'm really learning how to be the mom that I want to be. Yeah, it doesn't mean that I've been a horrible mom in the past. It just means that it's taken me a long time to figure out, you know, what's important to me, what's in alignment with what I think a good mom is. Mm -hmm. And that really took going to therapy. Like I had to go to therapy to figure that out. So yeah, I would say just more grace. I think we could always use more grace for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I think that we definitely lack in the grace giving department. Mm -hmm. We're not, um, we're, and I believe that it boils down to how much love that we have for our children, that we really want what's best for them. And when something happens that we don't think is what's best for them, it's our fault because we should have known better. And that's so unfair to the younger version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, I, I truly believe that we are exactly the parent that our children need. And that 
from a higher perspective level that we, in a lot of ways that we choose our parents and we choose the path that we're on in, on this earth. And there are things that we have to go through to learn the lessons, to do the work that we're supposed to do while we're here. Mm -hmm. And the most lessons are learned through adversity. Because if it was easy, why would we learn anything? <laughs> yeah. That's true. So is there a book that you've um, found instrumental in your in your journey? It's gonna sound like a really weird answer to this to that question. I'm not a big self-help reader book or book reader and more like fiction. There's a book called White Oleander that they made into a movie. And um, what what is instrumental about it for me is just um, there's a character in the book um, named Astrid, and she her mom's an artist. It's it's that part of it's really like her relationship with her mom is is probably the biggest focal point of the book. But on her own, she's um, very artistic and she is just a super creative person she makes art out of anything and I think that was something that was a really big deal to me when I first read it because like I said I didn't grow up having the freedom to express my feelings I had a lot of feelings I didn't know how to express and when I read that book it really um like started the process of me learning how to express myself through art which has been really huge for me so that's that's definitely a book that um made a big impact on me that's awesome what kind of art do you do um i i tend to stick to um they call it mixed media which just means you use whatever you want. <laughs> That's how I think of it. It's like, if you're, if you're not somebody that likes rules when it comes to art, mixed media is cool because you can use whatever you want. Mm. You can do, you know, collage, you can use paint, markers, whatever you feel like. So that's what I tend to stick to. Um, I have bought a bunch of art supplies to start trying to make earrings out of clay so that's the next thing that I'm gonna work on but that's really cool yeah my son said the other day that um when he's sad he likes to draw mm -hmm. and that kind of gave me mixed feelings because now I'm like well why are you sad when he's drawing <laughs> mm -hmm. oh yeah um, yeah but also it's, it's a, I think it's a healthy way mm -hmm. to maybe exp if you're not, maybe express your sadness, but mm -hmm. also just do something with it mm -hmm. <clears throat> that's positive. Cause at the end you get to look at your picture and most of the time people go, Oh, look how cool. Like what a good drawer you are, you know, or whatever, Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but you get, you get some kind of positive feedback at the end of it um yeah art's really great for kids I used to work with kids 
<clears throat> in the group home setting and their kids that come from like abuse and neglect and all that kind of stuff. And if you want to get kids to talk about their feelings, art is great because they will just start, they'll sit there and they'll start drawing. And then before you know it, they're telling you about their day and they're telling you like stuff that maybe they worry about or stress out about. So art's really great for kids and kids at when they're little like that, they don't care if they're good or not. You know, like there's this weird thing we do as humans I don't know what age it happens at but we stop doing things that we like if we're not good at them singing dancing art um, all kinds of things so art's a great one um, for kids I think that at some point someone tells us we're not good mm -hmm. it's or, sad though it's yeah. really sad or an adult will come in and say, well, you can't make a living at it. So don't waste yeah. your time doing it. It's like, don't waste my time doing something mm -hmm. that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. I still struggle with that. Like when I, you know, in buying art supplies to make earrings, I was like, well, what if they don't sell in my brain? I was like, what if I can't sell them? And I thought, but that's not even why I want to do it. Like I want to learn how to do it. I think I would enjoy it. And if I don't, it's not the end of the world, but there's always this, yeah, like that you have to make a living off of it or like people who can sing. It's like people say, well, have you tried out for American Idol or whatever? It's like, no, maybe they just like to sing yeah. for themselves, you know? Yeah. I don't know why we do that. Yeah, I remember um, I loved a cross stitch. And I mean, it's something that is just really relaxing to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I've had multiple people say, well, you should charge for that. And like the amount of hours <laughs> that I take, that I put into it, like if I charge $300, yeah. I would still be getting paid like less than a dollar an hour. Mm -hmm. you know yeah and I did kind of come up with a, a a plan where at least the hobby is free because I could just buy a thing a, a, I like the kits because then I don't have to mess it's all put together and like you got the pattern and all, all the strings already picked out for you so I love the kits um but just buy a kit they're usually between 30 and 50 dollars make the project and then post it on Facebook and say, who wants to buy this? It's 30 to $50. Yeah. And I'll put your, cause I like to make Christmas stockings. I'll put your name on it. I'll put your kid's name on it, whatever. And you get this handmade Christmas stocking for 30 to $50. I'm in doing a thing that I love and enjoy. I've taken the, the time pressure off of it by just, creating it like making it and then saying okay who wants their name on it right and now my my hobby which hobbies usually cost money mm -hmm. is free yeah and <laughs> I was like I don't need to make money off of it the enjoyment of is is what I do it for I enjoy the I mean it literally it's almost puts me in a in a coma state like it's so relaxing <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I think a friend of mine said it puts me into a meditative state, which I, I'd never, I wouldn't have ever put that label on it, but yeah, it, it, it really does. Um, and it, but I don't need to make money off of it. It's cool if it's free, mm-hmm. but I don't need to make money off of it. Yeah. You know, well, let, um, where can our readers or readers listeners find you <laughs> they want to connect um i'm on so i do have a podcast it's called rad mom radio and it's on spotify apple and iheart radio um and i do have instagram it's rad mom radio um i think that's it those two well, thank you so much for um, coming to um, pour into our, my guests, our guests, and oh. uh, our listeners. I'm mixing up words all over the place today. Uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed our conversation. I don't know that we've had a one-on-one live conversation ever. Yeah. <laughs> except for when I went to the group, but that wasn't even one-on-one. So, you know, but it's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you and get to know you a little better and yeah and yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of what you're doing inside the the central valley moms group oh, thank you yeah so we will have another episode of imperfect momming for you next week and until then keep healing bye guys thank you for tuning in to imperfect momming It's time for us to step up and realize that our power is not in trying to shape our children. Our power lies in shaping ourselves into the people we want our children to model themselves after. Don't just do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. When you become a more self-aware, compassionate, and confident person, you and everyone around you benefit. For more information about me and my work, visit alishalyons.com. That's A-L-Y-S-I-A. L-Y-O-N-S dot com. See you next time.